today, Mark, I'd like to talk about Coral Evensong. Tell me why Coral Evensong, this ancient tradition, um, sort of why now? <laughs> the reason for talking about it now is that um, a group of us, um, mainly based in Hampstead, have put together a new website called coraldevensong.org, um, which enables anyone to find out when a service is near them. For those who are not familiar with Choral Evensong, um, this is a service in the Church of England that was invented, or at least put together, in the 16th century at the Reformation uh, by combining uh, elements of the old monastic offices of Vespers and Compline um, by Archbishop Cranmer, and an evening prayer service uh, which then, as the Elizabethan period grew, went on in the uh, 16th century, became uh, a focus for creation of wonderful music by the great Elizabethan church music composers. And it's now one of the great glories of English culture. It's the, the sung service in the evenings, usually around 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the evening. Um, but... It's had this long tradition. It's in Elizabethan English. It um, has marvellous music. It has these wonderful choirs. Um, many cathedrals do it every single day. Um, Westminster Abbey does it almost every day. Um, many Oxford and Cambridge colleges do it almost daily in term time. Um, many parish churches do it. Um, it's the most lovely service, and yet most people don't know it exists. And if you do know it exists and you want to find out what's on, what time it is, it's extremely hard to know. You have to know where it's happening at the moment. You have to go to their website. You usually have to burrow deep within it, five or six clicks. You have to know what you're looking for. And then you can find out the music list, and you can find out what they're singing tomorrow or today or whatever. But it's really hard. So... The idea of the CoralEvensong.org uh, website is to make this easily available. Um, so with you can just go anywhere in the country, Britain and Ireland, this includes Ireland as well, including uh, Southern Ireland, uh, because the Church of Ireland is a united church throughout all Ireland, and they have Coral Evensong in their cathedrals and some parish churches. Um, so you can find out where Coral Evensong is happening near you. You can put in your postcode and it'll tell you all the nearest ones. Or you can put in a place like Oxford and it'll tell you all the different places that's happening in Oxford. And then you click on those and it'll tell you something about the choir, the chapel buildings. And then with one more click, you get direct to the music list. So you can see what's happening today, tomorrow, and on Sunday, etc. Exactly what music the choir is singing and so on. Yeah, I mean, one of the things which immediately strikes me about Coral Even Song is uh, that it's a free concert, uh, often of the highest quality and standard. Um, you know, musicians find it hard to um, make a living often, I think. And uh, but Coral Even Song is one of the places where um, there's a kind of need for musicians. Um, but of course, at the point of access, it's free. You only have to walk into the church, um, and you, you can hear, you know, the brilliant music performed, uh, you know, to a very high standard. Very often. Um, even if you're, you know, not particularly God-minded, mm. um, although I think it's also very hard to resist the spiritual uplift, mm. um, which is part of, as you say, it's a glorious thing. You know, it's part of the tradition of in Coral Evensong. 
No, I agree. It's a most wonderful free concert. And you know, I sometimes go to Westminster Abbey for choral evensong on weekdays. It's at five o'clock. And St. Paul's here in London also has it at five. And um, other churches and chapels have it as well. Yeah, maybe we should make the plug for Southwark Cathedral. I tend to go, which is at 5.30 during the week. Uh-huh. Um, it? It's quite often earlier on a Sunday afternoon, I think. Yes, that's it? true of most yeah. cathedrals. Yeah. Um, but I go to Westminster Abbey... You go there, you're in the choir stalls, medieval choir stalls. There's this magnificent building. Normally you have to pay to go in because they need money to repair the roof and that sort of thing. But for Coralie Song, you walk in free. And you sit in this incredibly beautiful space. The procession comes in with the choir. Um, priests in robes, marvellous robes, the choir in robes. Um, exquisite music often by the Elizabethan composers like Tallis and Gibbons or Victoria and Palestrina, these great classics of polyphonic church music, sung by this boys and men choir, incredibly well-trained, incredibly beautiful, lovely language. Um, And then the whole thing ending with a blessing and then an organ voluntary, the whole cathedral echoing to organ music, exquisite beauty and if you, I often feel, you know, I should make a contribution. They've done all this. It costs something. I'd like to give something. You have to try really hard to find where you can give some money. There's no collection during the service. And at the end, if you go out of your way, you can find boxes where you can put money in if you want to. But it's very clear that no one's in it for the money. And sometimes when I go to Coral Evensong, say, at Lincoln Cathedral, which is one of my favorite cathedrals, um, in the winter... You can be there in the winter and there'll be a choir with, say, 15 trebles and, say, six, eight men or uh, two or three priests and this whole cathedral echoing to this exquisite music. And there may only be five or six people in the congregation, completely outnumbered by uh, the choir and the priests and stuff. And it's clear that no one's in this for the money. This is not happening for human glory, because there's hardly anyone there to watch it, hardly anyone even living in Lincoln. A lot of people don't even know this is happening. Um, It's for the glory of God, and it's a a wonderful thing. And again, it's rather hard to give money, even if you want to. Um, So it does seem to me this is the most extraordinary cultural tradition we have. And Even when I was an atheist, um, when I was an undergraduate at Cambridge, I was in, and until my 30s, actually, I was an atheist. Um, but I used to go to Coral Evensong at King's College, Cambridge, and at Clare College, my own college chapel, and um, St. John's College, because it was just so beautiful. It was the most beautiful thing in Cambridge. You, you remind me of uh, Martin Rees, um, mm. the Master of Trinity College, who um, is a agnostic stroke atheist, I guess, but he talks about uh, walking across to the college chapel for Evensong. And I think it's one of the, one of the experiences that just keeps him, you know, the door just slightly ajar because it, it, it's not just beautiful in an aesthetic sense. Um, but there's something about, which I think you're hinting at there, something about the tradition itself, um, which, uh, the mystery of it in a way, um, that keeps you thinking, you know, is there a whole other dimension, um, that's appreciating this service? Mm. Um, it's not just there for, for human benefit, but there's something else going on, maybe being, you know, part, certainly passed on down through the ages, 
when our forebears had perhaps a richer metaphysical conception of the world, but maybe even coming down vertically as well. Um, well, I mean, this fits with the theology. I mean, part of the purpose of these songs and, and, and hymns and, and chants is praising God, giving thanks to God and praising God. And indeed, some of the psalms that are chanted uh, in every even song, in that beautiful form of chanting that we have in the, in the Anglican tradition, um, are about praise the Lord. Um, so the assumption of all religions which praise God or give thanks to God is that somehow God can hear. Um, so it's a built-in assumption that this is not just for human ears. Um, and certainly in the Christian tradition, the idea that God's musical is deeply embedded because angels uh, are supposed to sing God's praises perpetually, and you know, and and they don't come in teams or groups or squads. They come in choirs. So it's choirs of angels. Um, so this goes back in, into a very ancient tradition: the idea of music being part of the cosmos and music being part of the very nature of things. Um, you know, the harmony of the spheres, the old Greek idea that the whole. The, the celestial harmony is, is a kind of uh, um, vibratory patterns in harmony with each other which underlie the entire universe. And in fact, physics shows that everything in nature is vibratory and you know, planets are in orbits, uh, stars are in orbits around galactic centers. Everything in nature has this vibratory nature, uh, which is like music in a sense. Mm. And... Um brings with it different affects, different states of consciousness, the different modes of the chant, um, you know, which have different qualities to them. Uh, that, that was coming to my mind as you were talking. And I think there's also something about the time of day. You know, it's, it's very significant, this even song. It's a mm. kind of liminal time of day where you feel you're moving from one experience of being alive to another even even tides experience of being alive. And, mm. and that, that chanting um, has... An effect on you. It's not. It's not just the words, as it were, that have been celebrated, but um, that the rhythmic pattern of it too uh, sinks you into um, a sort of uh, an awareness of things that's more appropriate somehow for the evening. Um, and then you get the great crashes with the Magnificat being sung. Um, that, as it were, it's almost like something bursts into your awareness um, in, in after the psalm mm. um, because you've uh, allowed yourself just to sink into something a bit um, different from the daytime. And there's, a, there's an awful lot going on, actually. I mean, the sort of psychology of Evensong, you might say, is really mm. rather fascinating. Well, it is, yes. I mean, it, it, it starts with a confession. So you st to try and purify yourself or open yourself to God's grace when at the beginning of the service, say so you're open. And then there's these, these, the psalm. And in... Most cathedrals, they work their way through all 150 psalms in the mornings and the evenings. And so it's a very good way of getting to know the psalms, um, many of which are extremely beautiful. Some of them have shocking words. Some of them have incredibly uplifting words. They're amazing poetry. And in the 16th century translation that's used in Choral Evensong, which was before the King James Bible, the Miles Coverdale translation of the Psalms is the one that's used in the cathedrals and churches in England. Um, this music, the, the, the language itself is so beautiful. And then when it comes to the prayers, those prayers for Evensong are so 
extremely beautiful. And um, the uh, the final collect uh, or prayer, um, lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Is a most wonderful prayer, I think, for the evening. It's a kind of settling prayer. And we used to say that every night with our children when they were young. We said prayers with them um, in bed just before they went to sleep. And we always ended with that prayer because it's a prayer for you know, being protected and, and the sense of being safe and secure in the night, which is very helpful for children or for any of us when you're going to bed. And I th- yeah, and I think there's a, there's a, it also makes me think there's a memento mori quality to even song too, because the second canticle that psalm is the, sung is the Nunc Dimittis, Simeon's song, which is Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. Yes, um, he's seen as it were the glory, and he can trust the step into the greater night. You might say um, he can let his uh, he can hand over his soul to God, and and that again that sort of regular uh, memento mori. A remembrance of uh, um, the the shape of life every day. I, I mean, I, I can I can see I can feel that has a huge kind of uh, um, benefit apart from anything else. Yes, to know that kind of rhythm and pattern in life, held and sort of held in the in the beautiful way that it is um, during the service. Yes, I think it's a very amazing tradition we have, and I, I mean I feel immensely grateful for the fact that it's there and that it's going on in this totally unpretentious way every day, and that uh, that our whole land is being enchanted by this singing. The, John Michel, who was a friend of mine, used to talk about how in the Druidic times, the Druids believed that the whole land of Britain should be enchanted. And to enchant something means you have to chant. It's something my wife, Jill Purse, often says, you know, she teaches chanting as a form of meditation, and chanting is the basis of enchantment. Um, if you don't chant, then it's disenchanted. Um, and the Druids um, believed that the whole of Britain should be kept enchanting by what they called the perpetual choirs. And they had these choirs singing in different parts of Britain uh, to keep the whole land enchanted. And what we actually have is perpetual choirs all over Britain, in almost all our cathedrals, and the cathedrals of Ireland, and the cathedrals of Canada and the United States and Australia, everywhere within the Anglican tradition, New Zealand, um, this perpetual choir phenomenon is going on, and every day prayers are being said for the country, for all of those who live here, for, for giving thanks to God, asking for God's blessing, with this extraordinary music. Um, so that angle of it, I, I really appreciate too. The, the the fact we have these perpetual choirs, and those of us who live in Britain are benefiting from that, even if uh, even if people don't go, and most people don't even know this exists, but it's happening. And if it wasn't happening, I think this country would be a much less enchanted place. And it reminds me that 
it is actually broadcast even song on Radio Three on the, on the BBC and even yes. in even in the secular often secular world of the BBC um, there's something I think more than just the music there's something that's remembered in that uh, with the broadcast as it were beaming it across the land on a Sunday and then on a Wednesday. Um, it, yeah, there's a very it's a very lovely thought to think of um, broadcasting as it were spreading that enchantment. Um, which people can just tune in, as it were. It's happening, yes. and you can just tune in if you want to. Well, actually, uh, somebody told me that the broadcast, I think they started in 1928 or something, broadcasting Coral Evensong. It's the longest continuously running program on the whole of BBC Radio, that uh, Coral Evensong, every week, well, twice a week, um, from different churches and cathedrals throughout the land. Yeah, um, and, it, and again, it's just sort of there to enjoy. Yes. Um, and many churches have it. It's, it. I mean, the cathedrals do it. Um, college chapels in Oxford and Cambridge, many of them do it almost every day, like King's College and St. John's College. Others do it two or three days a week. Uh, Clare College does it on Tuesdays and Thursdays, for example. Um, but until uh, we built this website, I had no idea how many uh, colleges actually do do it. Many of them have choral scholars who are selected for their voices. Um, and now, for the first time, you can actually find out, if you go to Oxford or Cambridge, there's a whole long list, and you can see what's happening on which day. I had no idea so much was happening. And in London, um, there's an amazing range of things. There are chapels that are the Chapels Royal, the Savoy Chapel, for example. There's the Tower of London Chapel. There's all sorts of St. James's Chapel. There are chapels that are royal chapels where they have choirs singing this wonderful service on a regular basis. Then there's many parish churches that do it throughout the country, some with professional choirs, uh, some with amateur choirs. Um, our parish church in Hampstead has choral evensong every Sunday. Um, then there's the cathedrals. Then there are universities, many of which have chapels where, where they do it. Um, there's the temple church, in the, the round church from the Knights Templars in the Inns of Court, uh, where they have it. Um, so it's a style St. Bartholomew the Great in the city of London, this great Norman basilica one of the few medieval churches left in London that wasn't destroyed by the fire of London, it's entering a whole other world when you go in there, um, dark, kind of a marvellously inspiring kind of darkness. It's St. Bartholomew's um, Norman architecture from the 12th century. Um, it's astonishing, the range uh, that's available. And I, I wasn't aware of it, and uh, hardly any of this myself until recently, though I'm a Coral Evensong enthusiast. Yeah, I had no idea about uh, the Chapel's Royal, for example, that uh, um, there's something wonderful. You can go into the, 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 the Templar Church and hear Coral Evensong that uh, <laughs> takes you immediately back, you know, five centuries. That's yes. really very tremendous. And St. George's Chapel, Windsor. That's another Chapel Royal, and... and so uh, there's these astonishing places with incredible architecture, amazing tradition. Um, you know, right nowadays, most people feel that to get into a world where you have this kind of tradition and beauty and idiosyncrasy, you can only achieve it through sort of Harry Potter films or Harry Potter books, you know. But um, here's something that all this is happening in real life, real enchantment, 
in real spaces, not fictional, um, in buildings of extraordinary beauty. I mean, uh, one or two of these cathedrals and buildings were used as sets in Harry Potter films, but um, this is not just sets, this is for real, and it's a living part of our own spiritual tradition. And many of these cathedrals are on ancient sacred sites, which were sacred often with holy wells, like Wells Cathedral, which has them right next to the east end of the cathedral. So one's tapping into a tradition that goes back to pre-Christian times, uh, which is still alive today. Well, maybe we just need a reminder of the website once more so yes. we can get to one of these places and services. Yes, well, the website <laughs> is is um, choralevensong.org, choralevensong, all one word. Um, and... Yes, anyone who's listening who uh, wants to go to Coral Evensong, if you're in Britain and Ireland, look it up there. And we may uh, extend, if there are volunteers who are willing to do this for the United States, for Canada, um, Australia, New Zealand, or other places which have this tradition, those could easily be added onto this website, and it could become a global one. And I should just say, finally, that in the Roman Catholic Church, they have a similar service, Choral Vespers. For example, at Westminster Cathedral, the Roman Catholic Cathedral in London. And that's also included on choralevensong.org. So it includes the Catholic churches, which have a, a very similar service. If there were someone listening abroad who wanted to extend it, who would they contact? They'd go, do, go to the website and do the, press the contact button, and it would go to Dr Guy Hayward, who's himself a choral scholar at Trinity College, Cambridge, a few years ago. He's very familiar with the service. He's the person coordinating it. Great. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you.